0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to news and current events as we seek to live for Christ. Good morning, Helen. How are you?
1: Good morning. I'm fine. Thank you. Very well.
0: Excellent, excellent. Um, It's been a little break between... Um, between podcasts um I, I think i mean there's been um quite a few things happening in this time happening um obviously first of all the 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 death of queen elizabeth that's been um that's been a big a big deal hasn't it
1: yeah it it has um strange times really aren't they
0: they are they are they are strange times and uh, and i think um obviously there's a lot that's been um, said on the Queen, and and we've got the the funeral of uh, of the Queen on um, on Monday, so yeah, it's it's a big deal in in the UK and, and to a certain extent around the world because you know she was regarded as many by bar- as the most uh, famous woman in the world, I think, wasn't she? Um, but um, it seems that it this is a significant time for for us as a country for 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 obvious reasons but i think it goes it goes deeper than that um uh the queen was certainly a i think a restraining influence in some shape or form do you think helen
1: yeah i do i mean she's you know many of us we can only ever remember the queen she's been there all through our lives um and I was thinking the other day about it that she's she was like this um constant figure wasn't she um you know everyone knows the queen everyone knows what she looks like many people have have met her um and for me probably for many the the big thing was every christmas when she spoke on television i think the first few in her reign were on the radio but every year many of us sit and watch the queen and listen to what she has to say
0: yes um yeah her address to the nation or the Commonwealth, wasn't it and and it yeah mm. it, it is a, it is a big change, it is a big change, but we wanted to mention that because obviously that that is that is very- sig- significant news here in here in the u k and perhaps there is is much more to say on that at some point in 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 the future um another thing that we we wanted to mention, which has um has been to the fore, although a large amount of people won't know about this is is something called um, the Frankfurt Declaration. Where where did you come across this, Helen? Gary you you came across this before I did. Uh
1: that's a good question. Um I'm not sure. I think it was in one of the groups that I'm in, someone had mentioned it.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. I can't
1: can't remember who.
0: It's it's definitely it's definitely worth looking at and we'll put a link to it in the um in the, the podcast notes. Um but I just wanted to to quote a guy um, Rob Slane, who who has a, a really good blog called the the Blog Meyer. And and he says that the Frankfurt Declaration of Christian and Civil Liberties is a thoroughly biblical and sound theological response to the authoritarianism and folly that has been thrust upon us. And it will hopefully serve as something of a wake-up call to those sections of the church which went along with what was undoubtedly the biggest mass propaganda event in the history of the world. The purpose of the declaration is set out... In the preamble, and it says, A few concerned pastors from different continents moved by an emergent totalitarianism of the state over all realms of society, and particularly the church, and the disregard of God-given and constitutionally guaranteed rights during the COVID crisis joined in common cause to craft a solemn declaration which seeks to address these threats with the timeless truths of God's word. The following affirmations and denials derived from biblical principles we put forth for consideration by all Christians and relevant authorities in the hope that this document will give light and strength for faithful witness to Jesus Christ in our day. So it's definitely worth, it's really um, worth looking at and um, yeah, it's a good thing. And just by way of a kind of a tenuous link there, um, I I came across this chap, Rob Slane. Who uh, blogs and he he writes as well. He does he does a few articles for different different things. Um, I came across him on Twitter and I thought for myself. Thought to myself the other the, last week. I thought, oh, I haven't seen him on on Twitter for a while. And uh, lo and behold, his his account has been suspended. So surprise, surprise. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so we've got a we've got a bit of a a book review, haven't we, Helen? This time around?
1: we have yes, an excellent book.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's called Live Not By Lies um, With a, a subtitle of A Manual for Christian Dissidents It's by a chap called Rod Dreher um, Rod is a uh, senior editor at the American Conservative And he has over three decades of magazine and newspaper journalism He's also written three New York bestsellers Live Not By Lies, The Benedict Option, which I'm sure many of you have probably heard of, and The Little Way of Ruthie Lemming, which I've not read. Uh, but anyway, he is a particularly engaging guy, isn't he, Rod?
1: Yes, he's very good. Yeah, I've listened to a few podcasts with him as well.
0: And uh, it's so we wanted to we wanted to talk a little bit about this book because we think it's really significant and it's kind of like a follow-on for The Benedict Option, I think, isn't it, Helen, in, in some ways? Because
1: yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, I found it an easier read than the Benedict yes. option. Oh. Um, yeah, the ben- yeah, that's a very good book as well.
0: Yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's worth reading, but I know what you mean. It. It, it is, it is an e- easier, e- easier read. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, do you want to, do you want to just, that's this great quote, isn't it? You we were talking about earlier. Do you want to kick us off with that one? Uh, right at yeah. the start of the book, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think, um, given what you've just said about the Frankfurt Declaration, this is really, really relevant because obviously, as you said, um, the whole reason that that has been written is because of the concerns about the creep of totalitarianism in in the West. And this is what this book is is all about. Um, So the opening quote um, is from Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and it says, There always is this fallacious belief. It would not be the same here. Here, such things are impossible. Alas, all the evil of the 20th century is possible everywhere on earth.
0: Yeah, that and th- that theme kind of runs through the whole book, doesn't it? It's one of the underlying things that that underpins, I guess, why the book is written, isn't it? As a, a sort of a wake-up call to, to Christians. Um,
1: yes, yeah, because we are in danger of sleeping through change that is happening before our eyes
0: yeah yeah we are aren't we um and and i think that i mean that's one of the reasons we we kind of wanted to start this podcast is you know to 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 encourage um encourage one another to to kind of wake wake up a little bit perhaps or or, or test the times that we're in and, and measure them and and say okay what what's happening what do we need to watch out for um, but he introduces the idea in, in, in the book's kind of in two parts, isn't it? And, and the first part he entitles "Understanding Soft Totalitarianism." Um, I have to be honest; I have to confess here. I, I've, I've, the amount of times I've written that word down, I can probably just about get it right now. But it's one of those words that um, uh, it's hard enough to say, let alone write. But anyway, I, I came across the phrase the first time in 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 this book, and it's certainly a big theme. Um, and I think one of the things is is he's pointing out that, that soft totalitarianism is not as obvious as regular totalitarianism, but perhaps just as uh, deadly. And it's about recognising it, isn't it, Helen? It's about kind of spotting the signs.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because if you if you don't recognise it, then you can't resist it.
0: Yeah, totally. And he he um Drea kind of he he wants to draw together the, the the spiritual and and the reality of the the, the world um, we live in, and and he says we we cannot hope to resist the coming soft totalitarianism if we do not have our spiritual lives in order, and uh, I think that's that's really key here, and that should be an encouraging thing because in, in that regard, it's quite a practical book, I think as well.
1: Yeah, it, it is. It's very practical. Um, and he draws a lot from the anti-communist dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn, yeah. um, who also said he believed that the crisis that created communism was not political but was spiritual.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, and and this is done now, isn't it? With the with, I suppose, the benefit of hindsight, um, in terms of. Rod Dreher can can look back at history, over recent history, and actually see um, what what actually took place, and that the voices at the time, like Solzhenitsyn and, and, and others, were proved to be right, and mm-hmm. and I think that's really important. Is is you measure what people say at the time, but further on, you can look back and you can think, yeah, they were right, and and yeah. that lesson is important because it's all too easy to just disregard what people say at the time because you think, oh, they're a bit mad or, you know, going off a complete tangent. Sometimes people do, let's be honest. (laughs) Not not, not everything that's said is going to be be sane and sound. But uh, we disregard everything, I think, at our peril, sadly.
1: Well, he says, doesn't he, that the reason he was moved to write the book, the journey started when a friend of his... I think it was um he told him about what his I think it was his mother had said who had lived under communism and was living in America and she said I can see the um I can see the signs here mm. I can recognize it and and you Americans you you can't see it yes but I I know what it is and I can I can see it happening
0: yes yeah and and I've heard I've heard this listening to other people. I was listening to an um, another pod, uh, different podcast uh, earlier earlier in the week, and th- this particular person was was saying how they have Eastern European roots, and because they have Eastern European roots, they're much more questioning. They're much less accepting of what their governments say, for example, uh, because they've learnt the dangers that inherently lie in just believing everything you're told and it's, mm. it's it's really quite interesting and I think there's a lot we can take from that and there's a lot of things that we should pay attention to in that regard I think. Mm. Um, I think one of the one of the things that he, he points out about um, Dre- Dreher in the book is he says today's totalitarianism demands allegiance to a set of progressive beliefs many of which are incompatible with logic and certainly with Christianity and we're very much in that situation right now aren't we I mean especially if you go if you look at things like the the whole transgender debate or however you want to to, to frame that that certainly um fits into that in in divine logic let alone Christianity uh, mm-hmm. I think he's right about that one doesn't he yeah
1: yeah he is he is right about that one and um just thinking back to when we were talking about the Queen um, and I've been looking at some of her um, Christmas messages going right back to her very first one. And apparently she was criticised quite early on for, for what she was saying, which, um, you know, she was talking about morality and um, virtues uh, of importance in, in the day. And, and some people didn't like that even back then. Really, because it didn't fit with the progressive narrative.
0: Oh, see, that's interesting. How long ago was that? Do you know? Uh,
1: 1957, I think that one was.
0: Wow, viewed by many as a kind of golden era, the 50s, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. that's approaching very interesting. the 60s, yes, yeah, that's mm-hmm. really interesting. And it's not surprising to hear that either. Um, Drea, I think the, the, the book, um, it kind of weaves in history and where we're at today, which is really is really good because it helps you to form a kind of a good overall picture so for example, it, it doesn't take um, Roger long to touch on how we've allowed soft totalitarianism into our homes, for example because um, uh, he, um, he says it's hard to get worked up over Big Brother when you already ha- have grown accustomed to Big data, closely monitoring your private life via apps, credit cards, smart devices, which make life so much easier and more more pleasurable. And that's that's very insightful and very and very true. And, and I'm reminded about the whole thing of, <clears throat> for example, how many how many Alexas or um, I don't know what the Google one is and an Apple Ad one didn't they? You know, smart, the smart speakers that we we have in our have in our home, and we've just allowed this 24/7 monitoring device into our lives we we went on on um went away over over summer to somewhere in in, in Devon and it was a a really nice holiday cottage we were renting and um and and the boys and I, and I must confess I, I was I was a bit excited myself that the, the house was replete with alexas So in each room, yes, yeah, you you, you could talk. You say Alexa, post holiday home. (laughs) (laughs) You could say Alexa, play sort of nineties rave music, and it would obviously put on the best music ever made, Um, or (laughs) it would, or you would, you'd ask it just random questions, and it it would, it would tell you whatever you need to know. You can either, you know, ask it to put on the on the lounge lights, and the lounge lights would go on. Um, But I mean. It's obvious when you just step away and think about it. Of course, it's listening all the time for that that yeah. magic word Alexa, but it's also listening to everything else else you're saying. Um, and uh, just reminded of that um, Bob Moran cartoon um, not so long ago, where, it, where it's just four four images in it, each one with a, with a with a guy. The first one is where he's looking at his um his, his smartphone. And he's saying, "This is so convenient." And then and then he's then he's looking at his his, his Zoom cool and he's saying this is so convenient and then he's looking at his um is paying for his his coffee at at probably Starbucks and he's saying this is so convenient and then the final one is where he sat in a, a prison cell and he's still saying this is so convenient <laughs> and and it and it's we joke about it but it's true it's true we I mean if you have you read 1984 by George Orwell
1: I haven't I'm and I must I've I've I feel like I have I've read so many quotes from it <laughs> yeah, I need to read it.
0: it. Well, I mean, what the 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 thing that kind of strikes you about the book is they have this this thing called um oh dear, I should remember it, like a telly telly something or other. It's like a, it's basically a television in 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 each of the each of the the apartments or the flats that people live in, and it's on all the time, uh, blaring out propaganda and whatever. But but it, it it can also listen into what you're doing, and in some circumstances, I think they have a camera in it so you can see what you're doing. And you never know when you might be picked on. So you live in this kind of surveillance fear. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, Rod Rodre picks up on this, doesn't he? Um and um I think he 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 wants to kind of draw our attention to the fact of I get yeah, being prepared to suffer as well, doesn't he? Which is really challenging in the book. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes, he does. And he, he makes the point quite rightly that we've, um, for a long time in the West, we've lived a comfortable life, haven't we? Mm. He, he talks about moral therapeutic deism yeah. and how that's influenced the church. And I think he's he's completely right. He, he says, um, well, I, I don't know, wonder if the church's response over the last two years may be evidence of this. Um, you know, you said about God. God wants us to be happy. That's the idea, isn't it? Being yeah. being a Christian is about being happy, being nice. You know, it's all very soft and gentle. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 it it makes us um unaware of of the, the 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 biblical call on on our lives to be prepared to to follow in Christ's footsteps. And it, you know, the, the Bible is very clear. Jesus suffered. You know, in his life, we should be. Prepared to do the same, and and, we, and that's not suggesting we go looking for trouble. Then we'll talk about no. this in a bit. That would, that would be a bit bonkers. Uh, but to to still be ready and to be to be um, yeah willing to do that. But it, it's good that he raises that whole thing of the the moral therapeutic deism thing because that has infiltrated the church in so many areas. I think where it's just like it's it, it's with the church service is whittled down to essentially. God loves you and wants you to be happy. And yes, God yeah. does love you. And ultimately, happiness is a good thing and comes from God. But we ha- we're we just in great danger of hoodwinking ourselves if that's all we have. Um,
1: yeah, I think that's why generally um, in Christian thinking, I try not to think about happiness and rather think about joy because I think the Bible is yes. quite clear that joy is something that we can choose and that we can have even in the midst of suffering that it's something that almost transcends um your physical state on this earth
0: yeah yeah totally and any any he, he has this um and we picked obviously Helen and I picked out a few few quotes from his book as we go through just to kind of give pointers and and uh credit to to i think the the excellence of Rob Dreher, but he says, um, relatively few contemporary Christians are prepared to suffer for their faith because the therapeutic society that has formed them denies the purpose of suffering in the first place and the idea of bearing pain for the sake of truth seems ridiculous. And this is the stupor in, in many areas I think in the church in this country we need to wake wake ourselves from not everywhere but but I think in many um and I I, I do wonder often now if that's the time we're in of a, a wake up call
1: yeah yeah I think so um when you were saying earlier about Rob Slane being um cancelled being thrown off off Twitter you know i'm not sure what impact that has had so far but i was listening to someone (laughs) yes exactly but i was listening to a podcast yesterday with someone a scientist brilliant well it's norman fenton oh yeah and um who we talked about before um and and he's pushing it again to get at the truth and he's he's suffering for it certainly is i mean he's been absolutely slated in his profession um you know and and Others have lost their lost their jobs um, and their source of income because of standing for the truth. And and you know these people may not be Christians, but how many Christians have been standing for the truth and prepared to put their jobs on the line? I, I don't know, but that's what I want to hear yeah. from Christian leaders.
0: Yes, I I agree. I agree. I totally agree. I think I think there have been Christians who've been willing to do that. Um, there's always been Christians who've been willing to do that. Perhaps not enough, though. But I think that that I, I, my sense is that in the church, we don't want we we have a a tendency not to want to talk about those Christians who sit their heads above the parapets, as if they're slightly awkward, as if if it, you know, it's like yeah, we're acknowledging them, but we don't want to really kind of engage with what they're saying or or their situation too much and that, that tends to have been what's happened in in the church in recent years and it's a real shame because we are there to support our brothers and sisters of course and mm. I think but more than that we need to engage with what they're saying often but the reason we don't is because if we do Think about what they're saying. If we do say, "Okay, this person over here is standing up for this," they've lost their job over it. Then we too will have to make those same decisions, and I think that's why we don't want to do it because it forces us to do something about it. Hmm. If, if that if that kind of makes sense, yeah. um, I think Dre is going back to George Orwell. He makes some interesting comparisons. So he said, he says, um, he's talking about Orwell here. He says, uh, in Nineteen Eighty-Four, if the party says. 2 plus 2 equals 5, then the goal is to convince the person that all truth exists within the mind and the rightly ordered mind believes whatever the party says is true. That sounds extreme, but actually that's the reality of the world in which we now live. People don't want to believe this absolute truth. And and Matt Walsh illustrated that so fantastically in, in his recent film, What is a Woman? Which if you haven't watched, do watch it because it's, 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 it's amazing um uh and you know dreya goes on to say you know many Christians will see through these lies today but will not choose to speak up uh and then he says their silence will not save them and will instead corrode them um mm. it's quite it's 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 quite devastating isn't it?
1: it 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 is and i think i think he's right there i think um the more the more you choose to stay silent um the harder the harder it becomes and and the harder it becomes to speak up but also i wonder if the easier it becomes to start to believe the lies yeah that's the danger
0: it's because i think if we don't say something then we get to the point where perhaps we start to live the lie, yeah, so our lives reflect the lies that we have accepted, and that is what makes it really, really hard to actually turn ar- turn around and go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 fair to say in in Christian discipleship in following Jesus, there is no such thing as standing still. We're either moving forwards closer to Jesus or we're moving backwards away from him. But I think many of us, myself included, have had the idea that I can just kind of stay in one place and have a little rest. <laughs> it's just nonsense. It's just not possible, sadly. Um yeah, so so I think Drea, he 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 makes this point that we are in a pre-totalitarian culture. Um but there is a real danger that we, we perhaps either refuse to or or, or cannot believe what is actually coming, um, coming our way, and that that is that's a big that's a big part of the book. It, it is that wake up call, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. It is that wake up call, and and like you said, well, the reason the book is called "Live Not by Lies" is it's that the whole point of the book is to help us to live in a way that is not living by the lies. Um, There's another quote from Solzhenitsyn um, that says, everybody says they have no choice but to conform and to accept powerlessness. But that is the lie that gives all the other lies their malign force. The ordinary man may not be able to overturn the kingdom of lies, but he can at least say that he is not going to be its loyal subject.
0: Yes, and,
1: and for me, yeah. that that is us. That that is why we bang on about truth so much. Yes, <laughs> um, we might not be able to change the system and change, um, you know, the big things, but it is our job as Christians to to live as best we can, standing in the truth. That's and we what... have to recognise that truth in the first place in order to be able to stand in it.
0: We do we do we and we we and we need to encourage one another to do that, don't we yeah, yeah. um and, and I think this is this is this has often been a frustration within the church in so far as it feels like we can spend a lot of our time debating whether we should be standing for a particular thing or standing against a particular thing rather than just doing it, mm. you know and 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 this is this has had a kind of crippling effect on 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 large areas of the church and and this is why when you go to a church on a Sunday morning you will tend to hear sermons just about the same thing which is essentially that god loves you uh, which is true but you know we we're, we're not we're not talking about the harder bits in the bible like we should. We're not going mm. through the whole canon of scripture as we should. And um it's it's like we've just limited what we what we want to focus on. But the problem is we we're, we're going to be left with with nothing to talk about if we, if we <laughs> if that just if that just keeps going and that that, that would yeah. be that would be job done then. That would be finished.
1: Well and that that comes from the the danger of not taking scripture seriously it does it?
0: yes it does it does or, or thinking well that or, or that classic thing of you know well, this is really difficult to understand and um we, we there's there's lots of different interpretations of this so we're just not going to touch it to engage with it mm-hmm. or that's or that thing is particularly contentious um Um, or it could be you know well that's that's the old testament and that was the old testament god i'm thinking "Mm, okay but you've clearly (laughs) not read the end of the book um so yeah it's it is there is a lot of um there 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 is a lot of sadness in this i think really in terms of it's unnecessarily we're making it harder for ourselves than we need to (laughs) (laughs) so yeah and and I think there was a lot, he mentions a lot about propaganda as well, doesn't he? Um, the fact that, that, that propaganda is used to get people to turn their backs on the truth for the sake of an ideological cause. Um, and we, we've, we've seen so many examples of this, haven't we? I mean, obviously we have the whole uh, we've got the whole transgender debate. Um, I'm not sure debate is the right word, issue perhaps. We've got Everything, all the things surrounding the the LGBT agenda. More recently, of course, we've had um, whether you're to get vaccinated or not. So the propaganda to get you vaccinated versus versus um, what seems to be coming out about whether that's a good thing or not. About you know staying home, not hugging people. Don't kill your granny. You know all this sort of thing. Drip, drip, drip. We've seen. Oh, I think it's a
1: masterclass in propaganda, and I don't think many people still don't realise that they've been hit with propaganda
0: yes yeah yeah and it and it and we need to be more savvy and alert to this because it's not going away it's just going to get worse sadly Mm. because the the deception in the world will increase um you know, going back to what Jesus Jesus says, you know, we watch ourselves. Don't don't be deceived. You know, put your, ground yourselves in in the truth. And Dre also touch touches on the whole thing of revisionism, uh, where essentially history is 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 rewritten, is is tweaked. And and that's a classic Orwellian thing. Again, if you read Nineteen Eighty Four, you'll see that in 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 the book um, and kind of reframing. History, and he talks about the New York Times sixteen nineteen project to, to reframe America's history as an example of that. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot here which is which is really 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 good. What well, should we move on to, Helen? Cause there's so much to talk about, isn't um, there?
1: There is. There's a lot to talk about. I think I was going to m- mention, although he doesn't talk about it directly, when um, in one bit of the book. I just thought this really reminds me of the mass formation uh, theory that we talked about in an earlier podcast um, because he talks about um, the fact that where there is a lot of loneliness, where there is anxiety in a population, where there's lack of community, lack of civic trust, lack of meaning and purpose and um, an increase in individualism, that that kind of provides a, toxic mix which is perfect and ripe for receiving propaganda and being manipulated by leaders who promise solidarity and meaning yeah and um that's that kind of description of all those things is is what i think we've had in our society that has made um well certainly when when covid hit that that many of those things were true in our society
0: yeah they 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 were and and that has a lot yeah i think they've well they've all they've all come to pass and like you say together i mean individually that they're hard enough but together it is that kind of that toxic mix, mix of things and and again you see these these kind of words like solidarity uh coming in which which previously we would associate with um socialism in the form of um you know communism and the, and this kind of language that has kind of seeped into in into culture today has been quite interesting to 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 see that that slight shift. Um, but yeah, I mean Andrea points out that that you know faith in major institutions has declined sharply. Um how younger generations are abandoning religion, the breakdown of family, <clears throat> excuse me, the acceptance of gender ideology and and he and he points out, you know, he says it only takes a catalyst like war, economic depression, plague, or some other prolonged crisis to bring the legitimacy of the liberal democratic system into question. I think he wrote this just before COVID, didn't he? I was Whereas COVID say, coming I think, in, because basically yeah. all those things have happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: and yeah, and he says people want to and need to believe something, <laughs> mm. and. um, that probably explains why many people will believe lies, even lies that you can demonstrate are lies. And that when people have been alienated and cut adrift, they look for a story that helps them to make sense of their lives and tells them what to do. And totalitarian ideology is um, for a man desperate to believe, Drea says it becomes more precious than life itself, becomes something to live by.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: And I and I think, you know, then he he goes on to talk about social justice warriors. Hmm. Um and I think that's an example of that. It, I mean it's become it's like a religion.
0: It it has yeah, it has been where it 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 becomes an idol, I think. Um and it replaces it replaces the goodness of God with something man-made and ultimately therefore totalitarianism totalitarian in, in nature which is which is definitely a, a a bad bad thing definitely a negative thing mm-hmm. um, he talks about um, Roger Scruton the late Roger Scruton um, and how he was mm-hmm. a really solid voice on, on the dangers that we face um, where he point where Roger Scruton has has, has Pointed us towards, you know, the fact that about thoughts, crimes, heresies, um, and the fact that accusation and guilt now become the same thing, and that's it, it. It's it's quite subtle, but it's 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 what's it's what's happened. Um, in the same way that it's 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 no no longer can you can you just sit by and say okay well it's it's let's say it's, it's pride month no longer can you sit by and not be involved you're either waving a flag or you're an enemy yeah and that shift has now taken place if you're sat down by the sidelines not waving the flag not wearing the badge not doing clapping whatever it might be you're noted and um that's we should we should we should pay attention to that because we've been warned about this by many different people from many different walks of life and it's now happening
1: yeah it's happening and the and and it's also what is happening in some in some spheres is that the dissenters are being terrorized um and yes. yeah. and i think he points out that's particularly in academia and certainly the one that springs to mind for me is Brett Weinstein mm-hmm. um, and what happened to him. And ironically, he'd been lecturing when, when he was um, scapegoated and driven from his academic position. I think like weeks previously, he'd been talking about, um, he's an evolutionary biologist and he'd been talking about the, the witch hunt and how that works, has worked through history and what motivates it. And, and lo and behold, within a few weeks, that's effectively what happened to him.
0: Yes, yes, and 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 we we should be struggling for these examples, shouldn't we, Helen? Yeah, and we're, we're not. There. We're not. We're not. There is a sadly a, a a plethora of of situations and examples to to choose from. Um, one of one of the topics that Helen and I have talked about, um a number of times is the whole thing about the, the so-called self proclaimed fact checkers. Um and uh Drea calls them out as well because you know he 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 points to the points to the the fact, the truth. We like, don't we? Truth. We're not interested in facts, we're interested yeah, in truth. absolutely. Um, and Drea says, you know, who decides what is true and what is false? The value of truth claims depends on who is making them, that's that's wrong. Um, it's, you know, truth is truth regardless. And yet we've changed truth to be, well, who said that? Who said that? Oh, I don't like that person. Mm. Okay, well, you might not like that person, but is what they're saying true or not? That's the question. The question isn't whether you like them or not. The question is, is it true or not? Yeah. And And yet... People now are increasingly conditioned to say, "Oh no, actually, I don't like what that person stands for." Okay, well, they—they, they, you know, nobody's perfect, and some people might be particularly odious. That is true, but are they saying something that we need to pay attention to here? Um, and and this comes back to seeking after truth, and but that's been that's now been changed, hasn't it? That's a sign of the times we live in.
1: Yeah, it has, and and what's even more worrying is that that is the case in academia and that is the case in science hmm. so so no no longer is it about the pursuit for truth it's it's about who who's doing the science and and what are their conclusion? where are their conclusions coming to and and are they acceptable or not
0: yes yes you you, you start you you start out it seems almost with the conclusion and then and then then write the appropriate method to arrive at said conclusion, rather yeah. than. <laughs>
1: and too, too much of it depends on the motivations of of funders. Um...
0: It does. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah,
1: with their own agenda.
0: Yeah, and and this 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 kind of takes us through to something else that that that, um, Rodrea points out. He he highlights. Um, or calls out that the fallacy of, of thinking that everything will ultimately work out for the best. Now, I think we should just clarify something here. From an eternal perspective, for the for the one who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, then absolutely everything does work out for the best. For the believer, for the follower of Jesus, we, we know what happens in the end because we have mm-hmm. a book that tells us. Um, but what Dreyer is talking about here is, is, is in the here and now, is in the, the, the world in which we live um and uh, that idea that oh you know it's going to be okay now this is understandable isn't it because all of us want it to be okay we genuinely yeah. do um but i think it's 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 almost inexcusable when christians say this and the reason for that is we have this amazing message of hope but the hope message that we have is very very different to the pseudo hope message of the world um, you know like I said we have this book don't we that tells us tells us how it started, it tells us how it ends and it tells us the path we're, we're supposed, to, supposed to stay on, um, we're warned about the enemy we have were his tactics, the battle that we're engaged in the armour that we need to put on, the dangers that we face um, we also know That it's not going to work out well for everybody Sadly So, you know, this isn't like a false Heretical message of universalism Like, you know, people we know Perhaps like Rob Bell and others But we have this Yeah, we have this amazing message of hope in the gospel, don't we? And we hold that out to people We say, look, here is where you can find true hope And true rescue And this is what's going to help you and me live in this world for god's glory and and that yeah. that's 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 the exciting thing but this idea that oh it's all okay, it's all going to be okay it'll blow over well really i mean it might do might not but it's 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 still going to get worse <laughs> that's a, yeah sadly and um, yes
1: and, and the other part of that danger is this idea which which i'm afraid some christians have of well all that matters is where i'm going which ultimately obviously all that matters is Mm. where i'm going and Mm. that certain hope of heaven but that doesn't mean that in the meantime we just sit here on our bottoms not thinking not engaging in the world as if it's not important because i think jesus showed us that absolutely is yes and he he told us to pray for god's kingdom to come
0: yes yeah and
1: and that surely means that this life is important and every minute of this life is important and therefore that's what gives our lives meaning before we get to heaven. There has to be meaning and purpose. There is, and he tells us that. So we've got a job totally. to do.
0: We we absolutely have got a job to do. And and that is such a good point. Um and, and I think that we we show, we demonstrate the destination that we're heading for by the life we live now. Um so it is it is about living for God's glory now. It's about like say God's kingdom come his will be done on earth as it is in heaven and that is that is what we're called to do as as believers isn't it um i think he goes on to talk about uh, a bit about capitalism which is really again really fascinating um and he mentions about the the rise of the global mega corporations um and he's spot on with this isn't he because he he yeah. says he says that these these Big corporations, you know, the Amazons, the uh, if you like, the, the Black Rocks, the the Googles, the Apples, the Facebooks, the or Meta as they're called now. Many of them have more power than 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 small countries do, mm. and it 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 he also kind of uses that to show how, well, he calls it woke capitalism, <laughs> and he he says you know most big corporations. Have moved left, if you like, on on many issues, and we saw, we saw that back in Pride Month, didn't we? With yeah. how many? I mean, I when he says many corporations, I, I almost think well, it felt like all of them at the time. People changing yeah. their logos, even yeah. saw somebody had repainted a church bench in a what looked like a graveyard in the rainbow colours. I'm thinking that was just bizarre, yeah. if nothing else. <laughs> um. And we, he then goes on to talk about how um, this big tech, global, funded, um, yeah, big tech, global corporations, they, they move in on our private lives. And it comes back to us allowing um, uh, just convenience to, to, to trump privacy. Um, and <clears throat> he talks about how this... Has resulted in in a kind of surveillance capitalism, and that the mechanism for us loving Big Brother is consumerism, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the drive to buy—we we've grown up with advertising, haven't we, Helen? It's not a not a, not necessarily a new thing. We have. Um. So, yeah, I guess it's just become much more in your face now.
1: Yeah, I think if you might have said before, I rarely watch tv now and when i do and i turn it on adverts are completely new to me i've never seen them before and um i'm quite shocked actually by the power that they have you know coming to them you know i'm able to look at them with fresh eyes and thinking oh my goodness the messaging in that that's really strong and yet it's washing over people day after day
0: yeah yeah and and I think if it was just kind of one way, So when, when, we, when we were growing up, um, you know, you had advertising in magazines, on billboards and on television and the and radio, but it was one way. It, it, mm. They had to kind of take an educated guess of what people might want, what particular time slots would work with a particular audience they're trying to reach, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas now when you're using the internet, you know, you, you do a search for a um a tea cozy and next thing you know, you go on a, a website and, and the sidebar will be replete with with adverts for tea cozies. Mm. Cuz they picked up you're searching for a tea cozy, so we'll now will now put pl- will now put tea cozies your way, for example. And um, I think the, the Drea argues that this surveillance uh, capitalism began in 2003 when Google was was trying to work out what to do with all the data that it gained from from people's searches. And then this idea of data extraction was born, uh, which is something that all major tech companies now use, which essentially means your personal data is, is no longer personal. Um, and this data is... is, is the data gathering has just got more and more extreme. We talked about Alexa's, so they know when you turn your lights on. You have smart fridges, many people have a smart watch, uh, so that tracks your movement and exercise. It's much more intimate than a phone is, it knows your routines when you wake up, when you go to bed, what your heart rate is in some cases. Um, we've got smart cars, smart fridges. Um, and it's it's this whole thing of surveillance is sold under the guise of convenience and we've just lapped it up, haven't we? Mm.
1: Yeah, well, so-called making life easier. Yeah. I'm not sure whether it actually does. Life's become very complicated, hasn't it? Full of noise.
0: Yeah, yeah. and And that would be... That And all that data is is, is used at the moment to, to, to sell us things. But it is also it is also used in more nefarious ways, I think. Um,
1: yeah, I've I heard, um, I don't know whether they're actually doing this, but in America there was talk about things like when you mentioned smartwatches and things that are measuring people's heart rates and things like that, that insurance companies are using that data or, or want to use that data to... You know judge the health of someone and whether or not they think they want to
0: give them
1: insurance so
0: wow (laughs) that that wouldn't surprise me let's put it that way (laughs) because i mean i mean they 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 do that here then with 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 in in a similar way they do that here with with cars um so younger people when they're learning to drive if they have a what's it like a tracking device put in their car so they can track their mileage and their speed and everything um they potentially can get a lower insurance quote, mm. so that that's again the same kind of thing. But if you you know if you have an electric car like a Tesla or even a modern car, that will track where you go anyway. It's just yeah. just part of, part of the part of the deal whether you, whether you like it or not. And and we've seen all this data being used um, across you know Facebook, Google, YouTube. YouTube, by the way, is two billion users around that figure. That's that's incredible number of people. Mm. Um, and then of course got Twitter and many many people are now being silenced so data is being used against the people who have enabled large corporations to make the money that they have and it's it's interesting just as a slight aside here to, to kind of recognize what what we're up against so, so YouTube um, YouTube say, say this in, in their guidelines, you have to fish it out a little bit, but they say, we billions of people visiting us every day, whether they're looking to be informed, to catch up on the latest news, or to learn more about the topics they care about, we have a responsibility to connect people to high quality content. So the most important thing we can do is increase the good and decrease the bad. That's why we address misinformation on our platform based on our 4R's our, principles, we remove content that violates our policies, reduce recommendations of borderline content, raise up authoritative sources for news and information, and re- reward trusted creators. That's a dystopian it's paragraph totally. if you've ever if you've yeah. ever had one. And this is blatantly on YouTube's YouTube's website in yeah. their gui- in their guidelines section. Yeah. Who you know, YouTube are deciding what's good and what's bad. Let that they, sink in yeah. for a moment.
1: They are the judge and jury, they are of all they righteousness.
0: <laughs> and you know, this should be a wake up call for us. This isn't fantasy land, this isn't conspiracy. This is the very real reality in which we now live, and, and it is only going to get worse. Yeah, it is only going to get worse it's only well, going in one direction
1: we we mentioned john Campbell, didn't we last week oh which, we did um, yes yeah his his youtube that um uh being you know he was deplatformed for a while and when i watched him with one of them he was actually quoting from from this bit i think of youtube oh, okay. guidelines right. yeah. and he was saying so basically saying the guidelines say this so i'm just pointing out now that what i'm quoting from is coming from a government website you know he was at pains to make the point every stage this is so he wasn't giving any comment any opinion he was just quoting showing text directly from government websites to make the point they can't surely they cannot chuck me off for quoting from government websites yes because that's what had happened to him, and it, all he was doing was showing the government's own data.
0: It's fascinating, isn't it? Is it's, it's like it needs a YouTube video. All, 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 all in in and of itself. I don't know what you call it. Something like the the, the journey of Doctor John Campbell. yeah, <laughs> as, <laughs> as, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, that is that is that is that is worth um, that is worth watching. That's a fairly recent video as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so Dre so says you know if a corporation with access to private data decides that progress requires suppressing dissenting opinions, we've just read that out from YouTube's guidelines. It uh, is black and white. It will be easy to identify the dissidents, even if they have not said one word publicly. That's the next step. It's it's almost like uh, that film, The Minor- Minority Reports. You know where they kind of. Um, the pre what they call it pre crime unit i think or something isn't it where tom cruise kind of catches criminals before they actually they actually mm-hmm. do the um do the deed and you think oh that's wacky but now we're kind of starting to, we're starting to live in in the reality approaching well almost approaching that 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 particular scenario um and and i think you know it's easy to to check this stuff for yourself do do a search on google See how they skew the results. Um, choose something like DuckDuckGo, and by the way, I, I don't think DuckDuckGo—they're just well, that they're, they're not as good as they like to make out to be.
1: No, I think they sold out a bit. They sold out. Didn't they? Yeah,
0: they did. But but they, 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 you will still get a, a broader range of results from DuckDuckGo. So do the same. You know, choose something that might, may feel a little bit more edgy, perhaps. Um, an easy one is like you know. Is a vaccine good, is a vaccine bad? For example, that's an easy one, but you could choose anything and, and stick it in Google, then stick it in DuckDuckGo and just see how the results might be slightly different based on um based on what they want you what they want you to, to see. And the interesting thing is, and going back to my kind of web design days, I would often say to say to clients, I oh, look, have you have you gone to your website? and expecting them to type their web address into the into the address bar in your browser which is where you put the actual physical address in and your, tells your web browser which which part of the internet to go to and and what they would often do is search for their own website in the Google search bar so so it's so ingrained in people's mm. psyche of of how to use the internet so google becomes the gatekeeper of information and um it's terrible actually it's it's a really terrible terrible thing um
1: well i i mean this shows how old i am but i remember the transition from looking up physically in a book looking up in an encyclopedia or whatever for information to moving towards looking up in a search engine and i remember and i still do hold a bit of this principle in my head um the kind of well oh so all these results come up but well i'm not sure whether do i go with the first one i'm not sure i trust the first one i'll go down a bit and see what's further down and i i still have that habit of oh well probably won't go for the top i'll go a bit further down see what's further down yes because it's like well, who decides that what should be at the top? And and 'cause that's the one that most people will go for, isn't it? Oh, totally. As, it is. If, as totally. if that's yeah. that's the truth. That's the true one. That's the best one to go for. Yeah. But it is not necessarily
0: You know, if if you're if you if your business is not on the first page of Google for some things, it might or well not you might as well not be in business in 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 some situations. It's it's that it's that bad. But yeah, people people do do you just choose the top thing. Did you did did you have the Encyclopedia Britannica then growing up? Did you have in, in the in 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 the library room of your house?
1: Um we we did have a version I of it, thought yes. You <laughs> might have done. You?
0: You look like, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not surprised, Helen. I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah, bit of a geek there with my encyclopedia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I wonder if you can still buy those books. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? They'd be worth a fortune now. Um Right, yeah, so I think, yeah, Dreya goes on to kind of, you know, there's a thread running through here, and he 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 talks about this um, how this dystopian vision with, with regarding big tech is is not a vision of the future because he 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 rightly says this is already happening in in China, and he goes on to say, you know, China's proof that it's possible to have a wealthy modern society and still be totalitarian. Um, and then he he moves even further along by drawing out China becoming a, an artificial intelligence-powered techno-totalitarian state. Um, we've even had a thing recently of of drones being used to tell people in... Because, you, know, you know, in China, they still have these bonkers lockdowns in some cities. Mm. And they've still got drones flying past apartments, telling people to stay inside their houses using speakers from drones. I mean, it's like something out of a, a dystopian computer game or something. Mm. You think this is not real, and it's it is real. It's happening. It's happening in parts of China, and of course, then you've got China's social credit system. You know, tracking words and actions on or offline. Um, essentially, what it boils down to is is ultimately a, a Chinese citizen cannot participate in the economy or society unless Xi, Ping, Xi Jinping is is approving through the policies that he's put in place. And that's the reality for people in in many parts of China right now, and it's, it's tremendously sad. Mm. But it's interesting because here in the UK we have an incredible number of CCTV cameras. Apparently
1: it's one of the highest. We have the highest number. I'm not sure if it's in Europe. Or... I, I think
0: it is. Yeah, we're we're not. Yeah, yeah. we're we're we're. we're um, We're doing well on the CCTV camera front. I mean, it's been like this for a long time. It's been like this for a long time. But what people might not know is that the police and private companies in the UK have been quietly rolling out facial recognition surveillance cameras. You might have seen in the news there was a co-op, a number of co-op shops, where they employed facial recognition so as to try and help them clamp down on shoplifters. And this um, this was in particular part of the country in the south. I can't remember where, but it was in it was in the news about six months ago, seven months ago. And there was quite an outcry over it. It's like, hold on a sec, you know. It's like, what? Just, this is this isn't right, you know. There was quite pushback, but but they're still do they're still doing it. Um, so essentially, what's happening is um, these facial recognition and su- surveillance cameras. What they do is. They- Take a, a face print, if you like, of you, um, and often without you knowing it, of course, because these cameras are hard hard to spot. They just look like a a little bit like a CCTV camera, and they're taking personal data, which is your face, and they're comparing it to a database of people that are of interest to them, and who knows what they do with it? I don't I don't know, but the but the the Metropolitan Police are rolling this out along in the capital capital And it sets a dangerous precedent. It's it's authoritarian in a very negative way. Um, so yeah, I, I, and I think that you know there's been more than three thousand people wrongly identified by police using this technology. And and one of the biggest ironies is that that some of these cameras are actually Chinese-made. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Yeah, and we allow this stuff into our lives. You know, if you've got TikTok, that's Chinese state-owned, you know, state-controlled. Um, I mean, you, where do you draw the line, I guess, is the question, isn't it? So what, the key is, what can we do? So Drea, Drea touched on this, doesn't he, Helen?
1: Yeah, he he does. Um, I mean, I would say the first thing is is read a book like this one. Yeah, definitely. definitely. read it. Um, Recognise the reality, that's what, what we've been talking about, really, isn't it? Recognise that this is the reality. Um, that's that's important.
0: Yeah, and and I think we don't. You don't have to understand all the ins and outs of of what is happening in the world. Uh, to be honest, I think nobody can do that. It's too, it's too complex. There's too many different strands to go on. It would it would it would finish you off as a person. However. It is possible to have an idea of the general direction that things are heading in, and to be just observing the signs. and, and When you see those signs, to think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pushing against that. I'm not going to be submitting to that. Um, that that creep of totalitarian thinking. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be looking for people I can, I can stand with. And yeah, reading, reading books is so. Such an important thing. I mean I've got I've got a um I've got an Amazon Kindle which I, I really like. Very convenient. But there's, I do like a proper book. And that's also I was gonna
1: a part- say I don't I could never have something like that. <laughs> I've got to have proper pages
0: <laughs> well, that, it,
1: a, and a pen to underline the bits that i want to go back to
0: well that we yeah, see kindle's quite good like that because you can actually highlight no. things you can highlight things no no, no. no. just humanly, helen same. helen human me. you can highlight bits and then it, and then what it does it puts all the highlighted bits in in one section so it's quite, it's quite useful. But, I, but I, I do agree with you. I do like a proper physical book because you, you have the context in a physical book, for starters. You can get a pen out. And also, nobody can say, oh, we're not going to – not you're, you can't buy this book because we don't approve of it. Yeah. You know, on Amazon. It, okay, they could say that in bookshops, but you're more like – that's a much harder thing for loads of bookshops, to, loads of different bookshops to do that. Yeah. So,
1: And it doesn't run out of battery.
0: That is true, it, it is true, but you can you can read Kindle at night because it's lit up. See, so you need, otherwise, you need a head torch, or, or I suppose in your case, be a candle, wouldn't it? Yes, um, well, where you're, you're located. Still... I don't know if you have running water, so
1: <laughs> you're not going to persuade me. I'll stick with my book and my candle, I'm quite happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, so, so Dre, it's Dre kind of saying, What can we do? I think, I think, very practical, um. Just recognizing that we're, that we're distracted by by lots of different things. Um, we we we've grown up. Our generation we've grown up with this. We, we it's part of part of our background, part of our upbringing. Um, but I think it's important that we start to wake up to that and recognize it. So yeah. you just look on the TV. I mean, it's just it's just like nonsense. I mean, you 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 go to my favorite website, the BBC, and it's it, it's basically like. The Daily Mail for the chattering classes. It really is. I mean, it's just it's just ninety percent nonsense. You know that they'll be self promoting their own particular, you know, um, program that they think everybody should be watching, and just getting people on board with the with the constant conveyor of distraction. And then you've got things like you know you got Love Island, you got Bake Off, um, some of these things. Not necessarily wrong themselves. I think Love Island is, by the way, for the record. But but you know, something like you know, watching people bake cakes. I don't think there's a problem with that. But but it's like, it's just distraction. It's like, look over here. Look over here. Watch this big shiny new thing. Yeah. And it's like, if you're gonna look at the big shiny thing, just make sure you keep an eye somewhere else as well, just to keep seeing. Okay, what's happening in the world? You know, don't be um not loving the things of the world as it says um says in the Bible. Yeah, mm. not being not being consumed by them. Mm. And he's got that whole thing about see, judge and act, hasn't he? Which is really good. Yeah,
1: and he brings that in throughout the book and I think that's really helpful. So, um, see, judge, act. See is about being awake to the realities around you. Mm. Judge is about discerning the meaning in terms of what you know to be true, and that that is especially important from um, from Christianity. You know, that's where we're going to find truth, and then act is about resisting evil.
0: Yeah, and that that's that's we should put that in the in the podcast notes, I think, because that's really that's a really helpful um, helpful set of values there isn't it really yeah um yeah. and this this is this is this is what in in a, in a small way this is what we're we're hoping to do with this podcast is 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 along those lines isn't it really um contributing yeah. towards that um and hopefully encouraging hopefully encouraging others Shall we shall we move on to the second part of the book you'll be thinking God, course an Aaron only in the only first halfway. part only halfway <laughs> actually it's not it's not it's not it's not quite weighted that way around no. um so the se- the second the second part is is called how to live in in truth and um he, he talks about you know steps we, we we can and we should take which is really key um and yeah Saying that the emperor is (laughs) naked.
1: Yeah. (laughs) What's that about, Helen? Well, I think he says that somewhere in there, and it's so true, isn't it, that um, living in truth is about saying that the emperor is naked. If you remember the story, you know, everyone when the emperor was walking through the streets in his new clothes and, in fact, was naked, everyone was like, oh, you look amazing, well done, well done. They knew the truth. They knew what they could see with their own eyes. But they all went along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from the few and it's it's about that no you you need to say what what the truth is the truth that's in front of your eyes and even if that means you know that that may be being apart from the crowd it probably will be we the, have to be prepared to be in a minority
0: we do we do and and if and if you're listening to this and you're you're somebody who is um Perhaps feeling isolated because you do see, want to see, seek hard after truth, and you can see these things happening. But those around you can't, and and might think you're a bit weird or bonkers for for, for calling these things out. Then, then first of all, just keep going. Just encourage you to keep going. Um, mm. Don't give up. There, there are there are many, many more people than you know like you. Um, but also, I think. If you, you know, if you wanting to take a stand and to, and to say, hold on a sec, I'm going to stick my head above the parapet. And I'm just, I, I may maybe just say, look, to those around you, have you thought about this? You know, the, the, the situation that we're in is it's not right. You know, there is such a thing as truth. There is, we, we should be questioning what we're told. Not everything we are told will be a lie. But a lot of it will be half truths, mm. and we need to be awake to that. and And just try it, just 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 do that. And and I think that that is, that's what God calls us to, um, and that's part of the reason as Christians we're here is is to point others to truth. Yeah, he's got this. He's got this bit here. I'll just read out. It says, "It is up to us today to take up this challenge to live not by lies." and to speak the truth that defeats evil. How do we do this in a society built on lies? By accepting a life outside the mainstream, courageously defending the truth, and being willing to endure the consequences. These challenges are daunting, but we are blessed with examples from saints who have gone before. And he talks about people he's spoken to and, and from recent history through who communism but also of course we ha- we have um a whole list of of believers um over, you know over the past few hundred years even thousand years and then of course going back to the bible itself and you have this great cloud of witnesses as it says in hebrews those who have gone before us who have been willing to um to stand up for truth mm-hmm. and to to stand up for what's right in hebrews it says you know the world was not was not worthy of them And They were were willing to accept what comes their way because of Christ, because of their love for him and their desire to see him glorified above all else. Um, And I think this is where this this whole section of how to live in truth is really challenging, isn't it? Because he, he asks the question, are we prepared as Christians to live with reduced expectations of worldly success? And then he says, if so, if we are it becomes much easier to stand for truth. I think that's so true, isn't it, Helen?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, definitely. It's like... I think... No, go, go no, on. No, you go, you go. Um, well, I was just going to say one of the things um, in reading the book, particularly this last bit in the book, um, I found it very humbling, quite moving, actually, reading the stories of of people who've suffered... Um, primarily for their faith, for standing for the truth, um, and I think it's really important. It's motivated to me to to learn more. I want to read more about uh, saints who've gone before. I think it's it's really important. It it um, strengthens our faith, but it also is humbling, and it and it makes me question could could I do the same? Mm. Um, and whilst I hope that I could, I also doubt in my own strength. But we're told that in our weakness. Um that's where God's strength is, and it's him that we we have to rely on and He says that he will be with us through whatever we face. so all he calls us to do is to to do what is right, and then he promises to give us the strength to deal with the consequences
0: he does, and I think that is that is really vital to to bear that in mind because it is um it is tempting to, to look at testimonies from the past where people have had to endure all sorts of hardship or been ostracized or, or paid a high price for standing up for what is right and then thinking, well, I hope I would do the same, but I, I don't know. And I think the truth is, it's at that point of standing, at that point of Um, defending truth at that point of bearing witness to Christ, that God gives us the strength to endure in that moment. And we have to trust him with that. He's not going to give us the strength now for something that we need later on in life. But we do have to put our trust in him consistently. I think that's the key, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it is the key. And I think now is the time that we need to start practicing this. We need to start you know if we can't stand for truth in the small things, are we really going to be able to when it comes to big things which it may well do
0: yeah well, and that's that 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 again is a biblical principle you know you, you, if you you're going to be faithful in big things well you've got to be faithful in the small things first that's that's the order in which it works so yeah that's a very that's a very very good point um so yeah i think it, it is it is liberating to say, okay, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm not not going to try and have one foot in the world and one foot in in my Christian life because, I think we said this before, you'll just end up doing the splits and you will inevitably fall off and then have to work out which side you're going to go all in on. It's much simpler to say, okay, I am going to put both feet on the solid ground that is Christ and I know that inevitably that's going to take me a a tangent away from the world. But that's what... You know, newsflash, that's what the Bible says, that's what Jesus says. That's, that that goes with the territory. Um and yeah, Dre goes on to say he says, If your soul is free, then your thoughts are free, and then your words are going to be free. And um yeah, that that is so, so true. So yeah, it's a whole thing about cherishing truth telling, isn't it? But um but I think we also need to be be prudent here. Um in other words we don't we don't necessarily go looking for trouble <laughs> because it's, yeah. it, pick, your it's, it's, pick your battles pick your battles yes yeah and, and he's he's good at pointing out in the book uh, about choosing our battles um to you know he says you know determine what the difference is between prudence and and cowardice so for example um i think if you got if you have children then teaching your children how to identify lies you know I think for our children it's it's really important to know what they believe but it's even more important to know why they believe it. And I think we've got to kind of bring up critical thinkers as best as we are able to because when they go into school they're they're facing a kind of onslaught of indoctrination. Um, but when they go into school we shouldn't be teaching them to go in and looking for a fight as it were but we should be saying we should be encouraging them to to stand for what is what is right and to um help them navigate the nonsense that they have foisted on them without compromise and and it's hard it's hard it's really hard but it 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 is it is at the moment at least i think it is still doable although i think there will come a point where it becomes impossible actually
1: Mm. yeah i was thinking one of the examples when um (coughs) of of doing that of trying to to teach our children. I remember when um, we, we listen more to radio than we do watch television and, and the radio was on and those awful adverts that we had through the COVID lockdowns, um, and one of them was saying something like, um, COVID is no respecter of, of age or, or something like that, it, you know, as if it, it's there out to get everyone equally. And, and immediately I just stood up and I said to my children, that is not true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, you know, explained to them, and they probably had explained many times, but, you know, <laughs> to you as children, it is not dangerous for you. It's not anything to fear. We've been told that from the start, we know that young people are hardly affected by it is not something to be frightened of. You know, and that's just an example of no that's a lie and I'm not having that my children listening to that and just taking it in because it's not true
0: yeah that that's that that is that is a that is a great example um and and that's that's the job as a parent you know the parent job is to bring up your children is it's it's not to let culture bring up your children for you which i think is more often than not what tends to happen now sadly mm. and and it's hard work it, 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 it it's it you have to be on the ball with it you're not going to get everything right I don't get everything right but we have to recognize the reality of the situation we are in and we've got to stop this nonsense and it is nonsense of saying oh it's going to be okay or or it's going to be um it's always been like that it's just rubbish to think like that it, it, we've got to take a stand against this. We've got to speak up for truth. We've got to be indoctrinating our children with the truth. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's a parent's job. It's a parent's job. And if you're if you're a parent, if you're a Christian parent, particularly, uh, indoctrinate your children with the truth of who God is, what He has done, of who Jesus is, what right is, what wrong is, uh, so that when they go into school, for example and they hear things that are contrary to that they are able to actually discern that and not let that sink in and pray for your children as well I, th- I think one of the things that, that Dre points out on this whole thing of kind of choosing your battles which I thought was helpful and, and especially helpful with regard to children is that thing of and again this is this is certainly doable at this point in time they don't necessarily have to say something just keeping silent about something is enough and I think there'll be many instances uh you know I've got two boys in secondary school, so I can speak from first hand experience here, but it's like it, it, there are many instances where particularly you know on the whole transgender l g b t area of our culture where actually not saying anything is very powerful you're 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 not the one in the room putting your hand up for example. So you don't necessarily have to say anything to make a stand. And I think we've just got to find ways to encourage and support our children in in what is often a very toxic environment, sadly. And it shouldn't be that way. And pray for teachers as well, because there are, you know, there are many teachers in in an increasingly difficult situation, especially, you know, for Christian teachers, aren't they, where they're kind of having this conflict going on, where they know the truth And yet, they're being told to tell lies.
1: Yeah,
0: it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way.
1: It's very hard, very hard for them. Uh,
0: And I think at home, there is some things we can do. And again, just again, if you don't have children, I am sorry about this, but you can encourage. You can. These are still principles we can apply to our friends or to those you do know who have children, perhaps. But this is this is a key battleground. So, like reminding our children about the kind of. Biblical heritage that we that we have, you know, talk about marriage between a man and a woman. That's normal. That's right. Normalize going to church. Um, Find ways to create cultural memories, if you like. Fill their um, moral imaginations with the good. Weave the Bible into everyday. These are the things that Rod Dreher points out in the book, and I think they're really practical and actually they're really really helpful. Yeah. So yeah, um, what should we move on to? Yeah, he 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 spends a lot of time talking about the family being a kind of a resistance cell, which I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think about that? part?
1: yeah, oh yeah, definitely. He says um, families are where we learn to love and where we learn about truth. Um, and I I think he's he's right. Um, I think yeah, I think that's brilliant thinking of the family as the resistance cell because. The battle in our culture is against the family.
0: Oh, it has been that—that—that's been one of the—that's been—that's been under attack for such a long time now, and it's all part of the 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 enemy's the enemy's plan here, un, you know, attacking marriage, and when you attack marriage, you attack family,
1: yeah,
0: um, you decimate it, um, and that that that's what he's done because he knows that that is a God ordained resistant cell which if you don't have that well i don't know i don't know what you do have to be honest it's very very hard very very hard
1: well if you think in our culture over time um you know the the extended family you know many people don't live with their extended family nearby no, that's um, true. Yeah. you know and that's quite a modern thing
0: yeah it is really
1: for for thousands and thousands of years the norm would be to have grown up with your extended family that's that your community would be your extended family so we already for the the vast majority of us don't have that and then when when you you have attacks against what they call term the nuclear family you know the husband wife and children um well that's the last bit of it left really so you break that as well and there's no extended family immediately around
0: yeah and and, it, and it, it kind of it makes it much much easier for the enemy to pick off it's like that classic thing if you watch a wildlife program and 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 the cheetah is is looking to attack um i don't know what eat. Is, is it gazelles or something something that looks like a a deer but isn't a deer anyway um and and, uh, and, and inevitably these the 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 prey is in a herd and one will leave the herd and will be isolated and that's the one that will be attacked yeah and it's you know it's just classic stuff which you'll have heard before but it's so true it's so true and and so the family unit you know when when you know if you've got got if you got if you've got children and they come home your your house your home is their is there in the right sense, the only sense really of this word, the, the safe place for them, the safe space for them, where they know that they are cherished and loved, where their truth reigns, where where Jesus is on the throne of that house. And even though the world might be going a bit nuts outside the front door, when they close that front door, they can they can experience something different. And that is so, so important. When, when we're faced with this this battle that we're in, and I think Drea points it out really, really well in, in in the book.
1: Well, I think that's another reason why it's very important as parents to take control of the screens and the internet and the outside world coming into our homes.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it, and that that is that is a battle. So you know, I think. I would find it very ah uh, yeah our, our boys our boys have use of a computer for example but that's down downstairs in in the kind of family space they don't they don't have a computer or a TV in their bedrooms it's quite funny actually if they only really go to the bedroom to sleep but anyway but maybe that's why um but that that but that's a good thing kind of keeping things in an area where where it's part of the family community day in day out and it's important from that point of view, as you said, Helen, where you're not you you're able to kind of monitor what comes in through that phone line, which is the World Wide Web and everything that comes with it. Mm. Um, and I think we've got a, as Christians, we've really dropped the ball on this one. You know that there, there, there is there is such a lack of commonality in church. This is what I've found so disheartening. I've got to be honest. I mean, I remember having a a conversation with my my church leader a couple of years ago and um, we were talking about this stuff and I I said, well, you know, I was talking about mobile phones at the time because um, I just think, you know, can we not, as parents in church, as Christian parents, can we at least agree on a kind of a level playing field regarding mobile phones? So for example, that could be you just don't bring a smartphone into church. Mm. You don't need one. You don't need a smartphone in church. Why does your kid have a smartphone in church? I don't. I never understood that. What's going on there? Do, just say no. Don't have that because we're going to church to worship God, and also it means that people are more engaged with their with their peers and are going to likely talk to them. But we don't we don't really have that common commonality. And that's just that's just one fairly minor thing, really. Um, do, does that make sense in what I'm saying? It, do, here? it, it does. So make sense. so so yeah. so when we go to church. What we end up with is, well, our commonality is that we're here to worship God. Okay, that, that that's nice, but what does that actually look like? What's actually? What? How do how do how do how do we know what's different about us compared to the rest of the week? Is it is it just um, is it just some ideas that we have, or is it actually how we live? And and we're re- and I think we really struggle and we've failed massively. With our kids in this one, mm. do you know what I mean
1: I, I do know exactly what you mean, yeah, and I mean, you could argue i I've noticed there's a there's a tendency now for people to use their mobile phones instead of their Bible and um, well, that I'm, not saying I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do but <laughs> but still, when you look out, it looks like people you can't tell the difference who's on their phone actually following the bible oh, if, no. for example in a sermon you, you must have found this when you're preaching a sermon who's on their phone checking facebook and who's on their phone following the bible but it sounds just silly but but i just and it's very old-fashioned of me i'm sure because i'm like this in many things but what's wrong with a bible why and and is that not good for our children to learn how to navigate the physical book of the bible
0: Rather than yes. just
1: looking up the passage, no, you know, find it in the book where it is and flick the pages, and uh, yeah, I just. I well, it
0: it goes back to that Bob Moran cartoon that we talked about earlier. You know, it's it's convenience. It's convenience because because you know the the argument would be well, it's you know it's the Bible on the phone. The Bible's a Bible whether you're looking on a phone or listening. Yeah, okay, yes, that's true, but it's it that it, that it, it's a much more nuanced argument that people are not seeing with this and sometimes i think there is great merit in taking a very straightforward some might say simplistic approach to this and saying look you know what we're not we're not don't i don't want you looking up your bible on your smartphone that's ridiculous get get the book out in front of you read it there learn how to navigate it demonstrate model that to your kids because I tell you what they'll probably see us on their phone all the other times in the day well it's even worse to see your parents on their phone in church
1: yeah isn't it yeah, yeah I think so
0: I mean you know yeah. it's just we've become enslaved to these stupid devices you know I've you know I, I have to battle that one myself and it's really hard this leads us on, we'll come to land now because we're on, we're, on a, we're on a roll now, Helen. We'll just keep going for the next three hours, can we? Um, so we are we are coming to land now. If you stuck with us this far, thank you very much. Um, but anyway, Drea, I think, I think he hits the nail on the head here. He says, We cannot simply live as all other families live except that we go to church on a Sunday. Holding the correct theological beliefs and having the right intentions will not be enough. Christian parents must be intentionally countercultural in their approach to family dynamics. The days of living like everybody else and hoping our children turn out for the best are over. That is devastatingly and totally accurate. I think that I think that that sums up the situation that we're in and We've got to start doing stuff differently, haven't we?
1: We have, we have, and when he says many times in the book, "Are we?" or he asks the question, "Are we admirers of Christ or followers?"
0: Mm, yes, yes.
1: And the demands of following Christ to be his disciple are considerable.
0: Yeah, yes. Yeah, so that that, that I think he's drawn that quote out from the, the film A Hidden Life, um, which um, is very worth well worth a watch it's very long it's even longer than this podcast um i remember
1: you speaking about it before i must watch it
0: yeah it is very it is very good but yeah and and but it is so true it's very easy to be an admirer of jesus christ it's much more costly to be a follower and Mm -hmm. this is our heart here isn't it helen it's not us saying oh look this is what we need to do you go and do it you go and do it you go and do it that's not what we're about this is saying look this is what we need to do us included and we need yeah. one another to help us do this and we do this together and that's what's called church that's what church is it's the body of christ and this this is kind of our reason for doing this it's to just it's like another call really to say look we've We've got to help one another. And we start that process by actually recognising and acknowledging the reality of the times in which we live. And then from that, we go on to practically supporting one another and helping one another to live as Christ calls us to. Mm. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a, another quote from the book, um, where Drea says a time of painful testing even persecution is coming lukewarm or shallow Christians will not come through with their faith intact Mm. Christians today must dig deep into the Bible and church tradition and teach themselves how and why today's post-Christian world with its self-centeredness its quest for happiness and rejection of sacred order and transcendent values is a rival religion to authentic Christianity. We should also see how many of the world's values have been absorbed into Christian life and practice.
0: Wow, that is so spot on. That is so spot on.
1: Mm.
0: And that, that that yeah, that that's a kind of a really good kind of point to close on, I think, isn't it, as we as we just finish this one because it's that it is that wake up call isn't it it is that wake up call and, and we've got to we've got to wake up now because like like he says in that quote if if we don't if we just have lukewarmness if we have shallowness we're not going to survive this and that's the biblical truth that's what Jesus says in, in Matthew yeah. 24 going back to that we should come back to a bit so yeah we've got it we've getting i think practically speaking now's the time for being kind of organized if you're not already so thinking about you know it could be house church i think house churches will become increasingly important um we're seeing we're seeing that already aren't we uh certainly the last two years that has really come to the fore but i think i think Finding a a body of believers who who kind of are awake to what's happening and encouraging one another in this and being gracious and kind to those who aren't awake but steadfast in holding out the truth and standing up for truth is really important. Uh, Putting roots into God's word. Um, Not to be fearful. I think this is so key as well. Because it is easy to be fearful, isn't it? It is easy to be frightened by these things, and that's that's not that's not that's not the intention, and that's not that's not what we should be doing at all, is it?
1: No, no, no. Andrea suggests that we should be reading the stories of Christians suffering in the past, of the saints of martyrdom, and and to read them with our children as well, and to teach them about the saints who have gone before. Um, and I think you know also the ones that are out out there today so open doors for example yep they're really good It's a good, good yeah. place to learn about the persecuted church
0: they are yeah open doors are great yeah barnabas are great too um yeah th- there is there is a lot we can learn from those saints who have, who have gone gone before us i know you're going gonna to finish with a psalm but i just wanted to touch on before we do that i want to touch on Jesus' words to his disciples in, in matthew chapter 16 Just going back to kind of just just reminding ourselves that we need to not be admirers of Christ only, but followers of, of him. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul and I think just wanted to just read that because it's that good reminder that that we have this daily to take up our cross and follow Jesus, it's a daily thing to follow him and um, I think being intentional about that deciding to do that is is so so important um, so yeah the message of this book Live Not By Lies is simply that um, I guess you could put it another way, to live and walk in the truth um, and it's a, it's a super good book we'll put a link into where to find it and buy it um but yeah recommend it when we have them
1: yeah definitely recommend it i would recommend not buying it on amazon go to um a christian bookshop uh try eden if they've not got it then i would always go to um blackwell's online or go to your local ch- uh, local bookshop whatever bookshop on the high street buy
0: it yeah yeah that'd be that'd be good get, get, get old waterstones to order it in for you <laughs> that, yeah. could, that could work can't it <laughs> Um yeah. you got Bible, do you want to finish with a Bible verse, Helen?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple actually. Um one from Psalm forty three, which um is in the context of of an ungodly nation. And um verse three is a prayer release. send forth your light and your truth, let them guide me, let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Wow. Um and then Uh, another verse from Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 considering what we said about not being afraid it says be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go
0: amen that's a great that's a great one to finish on thank you very much thank you um well, look, thanks for sticking with us. Um, I hope this has been helpful. Uh, just a reminder that we have, uh, there's a Telegram channel you can follow and we put interesting links on there occasionally. So do do, um, do follow us on that if that'd be useful. There's Helen's brilliant substack and you can find a link in the, the link tree thing we have on the podcast. Um, do share this podcast with people you think it would encourage or would find it interesting Um You can you can subscribe in the podcast app of your choice. We we're all over the place in terms of different apps and whatnot. So just choose what works for you. Anything I've missed, Helen?
1: No, I think that's it.
0: I think that's it. Great. Okay. Well, look. Thank thanks for listening, and um, we'll see you guys soon. See you soon. Bye. The owl and the badger.